Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Hi, this is your host, Corbin, your guide today for Fritz Lang's 1927 silent science fiction masterpiece, Metropolis. Before I get started, I wanted to let you know that this is a new segment Alan and I have decided to do. We have decided to make a spin-off from the original weekly podcast where we bring you great movie reviews from every genre every Monday. So usually at the beginning of our podcast reviews, we always give you the background and history of the film to give you an idea of what went into the production of the film, how it was received critically, what was its placement in that time and decade, and how its impact has lasted to today. All of that is going to be retained here in this new spinoff. So this episode will be coming out the day after our regular Monday podcast. It will provide you the story, a sneak peek, or maybe even a teaser, if you will, of the review that will be coming the week following. So in this segment, I will be telling you the story of Metropolis, how its production was made, how it came to be, and its lasting impact. We decided to do this because with the review, we wanted to be able to give you the option to jump straight into our thoughts on what we thought of the movie, but we really didn't want to lose what makes this podcast unique and special by giving you the background info and really placing you into the time of when this movie was made. So with this spinoff podcast, it allows you to know the history going into the review, and then once the review drops, you'll be able to hear our thoughts on the movie, having all of this background knowledge. Also, I did want to note that the history I'm about to tell you is taken from the film notes by Bruce Bennett, which can be found on the Kino International Blu-ray set. In 1924, director Fritz Lang and producer Eric Palmer of UFA Studios arrived in New York City to attend the premiere of their two-part spectacle, Die Nibelungen. It was his first view of the city from New York Harbor that would make a lasting impact on his creativity. Lang said, I looked into the streets, the glaring lights and the tall buildings, and there conceived Metropolis. Despite this inspiration, Lang and his wife, who was also his co-writer, Tia von Arbor, had been working on the scenario of what would become Metropolis over a year ago. Another significant impact was the technical superiority and vertical integration of Hollywood studios. Lang knew his next film had to rival the spectacle of the American film industry. Despite the German film studio's mounting debt, the director declared his next project would be the most ambitious and therefore the most expensive film ever made. Thankfully, UFA Studios agreed to back Lang's endeavor in the hopes U.S. distributors couldn't resist an exciting German blockbuster. Before biblical epics became a major Hollywood attraction, Lang wanted to depict an epic battle of modern science versus occultism, the Tower of Babel, modern 20s architecture, and subterranean catacombs. Utilizing biblical imagery with modern designs, 
while drawing upon inspiration from the Middle Ages, both visually and theoretically. Production designers Otto Hunt and Eric Kettlehut set about crafting a vision yet to be glimpsed on the silver screen. None of this came without considerable cost. Employing over 36,000 extras, numerous key craftsmen, and shooting for 310 days and 60 nights, Lang's ambitious vision threatened to bankrupt the studio before they could deliver the finished product to their new American partner, Paramount Pictures. 17 months later, both director and studio finished their final product, to each of their satisfaction. The final film ended up costing a whopping 4.9 million Reichmarks, which was three and a half times the original budget. Not everyone made it through the production with their job intact, though. Producer Eric Palmer was fired by the studio mid-production. On January 19, 1927, Metropolis premiered at Ufa's flagship theater. A month later, the film was shown to Paramount executives who felt the film was far too long, clocking in at a gargantuan 153 minutes at 24 frames per second. Ufa complied and cut the film in half, from 14 reels to 7, and Paramount hired playwright Channing Pollock to oversee retitling and re-editing. Pollock said, in its original form, the film was symbolism run such riot that people who saw it couldn't tell what the picture was all about. I have given it meaning. Premiering in March of 1927 in the United States, the film was relatively well-received by critics, including the New York Herald Tribune, which called it a weird and fascinating picture. While in England, Lang bitterly remarked to a British journalist, I love films, so I shall never go to America. Their experts have slashed my best film, Metropolis, so cruelly that I dare not see it while I am in England. This was one of the earliest cases of studio interference in a director's vision, which we sadly still see routinely occur today. Later that year, the jazz singer ushered in the talking picture era, leaving Metropolis to be forgotten at the time and only remembered by the history books. To make matters worse, despite Lang and director of photography Carl Frund securing three complete source negatives, a common practice of the time, all three were censored, one by Paramount, the other by Britain, and the other by Ufa Studios itself. To compound the issue, German censors required the already compromised cut to be edited further. Not just in the US did it face distribution trouble, but also in April 1929, the Soviet Union forbade the film to be shown because it did not ideologically line up with the government's beliefs. Production notes and the original script didn't survive, leaving any hopes at a true restorative roadmap lost. For 75 years, it was this severely impaired copy that proliferated through bootlegs and the public domain. The first attempt made at restoring Metropolis to the unedited cut only seen in its premiere and a few short weeks thereafter, was done between 1968 and 1972 by the East German Statlich's Film Archive der DDR, using sources from film archives around the world. Alas, many riddles of the film's abridged narrative structure could not be solved due to a lack of additional film footage. In 1928, Italian pop music master Giorgio Moroder Impressed by Zoetrope Studios and Kevin Brownlow's restoration of Abel Gantz's Napoleon, 
and apparently a suggestion from someone at Paramount that he do something with a silent movie, Marauder decided to fashion his own version of Metropolis. After outbidding David Bowie for the rights, that is. Moroder worked with the Munich Film Archive and the German film archivist Eno Patalis to help clarify the narrative structure of the film, but he did replace title cards with subtitles, re-edited scenes, adding slight visual effects, tinting the footage to add color, and adding a pop soundtrack from the hottest rock groups such as Freddie Mercury. His version was criticized for making a sad situation worse, but Moroder told the New York Times, I didn't touch the original, because there is no original. The silver lining is the Marauder's Metropolis, thanks to the advent of home video, introduced a new generation to a forgotten classic. Patalis, in 1987, further secured more material from original composer Gottfried Hubert's estate. Plus, the original censorship cards, which were the original intertitles kept by the German censors since the 1920s, and newly discovered screenshots of lost scenes, to close previously unexplainable narrative gaps. From 1998 to 2001, this newly found material was meticulously compiled and digitally cleaned to add in new shots, a new English translation, and intertitles to explain missing scenes, plus a fresh re-recording of Hooper's original score. Clocking in at 124 minutes, this was the closest version to the original anyone had ever seen. This new restoration, dubbed the Restored Authorized Edition, premiered on February 15, 2001, and thanks to the worldwide popularity of DVD, Metropolis found new admiration and acclaim while confirming the supremacy of Lang's vision compared to Marauder's severely truncated copy. But the complete Metropolis still remained hidden. During the theatrical run in 1927, a complete 16mm copy was secured by an Argentinian film distributor. This copy was shelved in a private film archive, never to be found, until upon the collector's death, film archivists found it in 2008. Combining the 2001 restoration with the new footage, and using Hooper's score as a roadmap to confirm the timing and placement of shots and scenes, Metropolis was finally edited into its proper sequence. The return of the film's original editing and tempos and juxtapositions of scenes reveal Metropolis to be even more of a filmmaking achievement than it was previously believed. On February 12, 2010, the complete Metropolis was shown in Germany and on April 25th in the United States at the Turner Classic Film Festival. Finally, Lang's magnum opus was met with thunderous applause and confirmed the startling truth that after 80 years, Metropolis was at last resurrected. Despite its rough life, the film has held a monumental impact throughout the 20th century. A man who was sent to a Nazi prison camp was startled to realize Lang's vision had come true. Living a scene straight out of the movie, he looked at his fellow prisoners, all of whom wore the same clothes and had shaved heads. He turned to his fellow prisoners and asked, Have you seen Metropolis? Today, the film is considered the 112th greatest film of all time, according to the users of IMDb. The film also holds a rare 98 Metascore and an overwhelmingly certified fresh 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you listeners for coming along with me as I have been your guide to the history and impact of this magnificent film. 
Now that you know the story of Metropolis, make sure to subscribe to the podcast for Alan and I's full review coming this Monday. And tune in next week as we explore Osama Tezuka's take on his own futuristic Metropolis. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.